0: voice memos
1: podcast with jen and myron hey welcome to voice memos i am myron clifton and my co-host is jennifer so jennifer is a wonderful lady she's originally from wisconsin now in california flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named mojito that i call beast she's a great sister daughter and a great friend and uh, she is my co-host hey jennifer
0: Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me.
1: So- I lied.
0: This is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out, is how he raises his daughter, Leah.
1: Like, you were never two minutes early.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got to keep your old man on his toes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here minding my business thinking she'll, she'll show up. she show up pretty soon. And then there you are.
0: <laughs> Asking you shall receive. Are you in your <laughs> attic or your bedroom?
1: I am both because they're the same place. Okay. <laughs> so, so I am, because I am, um, I have been washing my linen and towels Um, and it was very, it was getting very warm. And because I have all my, um, I have four windows, uh, in this room, and I have these really wonderful shades that when I close them, it is almost pitch black, like it's so nice. And what's wonderful, it, it, and then it also keeps out the heat. That's what's really wonderful. But anyway, it's just really pleasant up here because also. My daughter is here doing her school. Um, she's at school here online, and her best friend came over, and a best friend brought her dog, brought her dog, and so basically, I'm running the delinquents household. So
0: <laughs> wait, so is that
1: Zoe? <laughs> Zoe, yeah, yeah, Zoe. <laughs> so I told him that after my um, after this podcast. We could meet in my dining in my dining room, which I call my coffee shop. But for them, I'm going to call it the quad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus! I don't. Do they even know what that meant? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because they rolled their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So when you say you're washing your linens and your bed sheets, mm-hmm. it's this is hopefully fi- my fingers are crossed nobody can see that. I'm assuming that this is a weekly task
1: it is weekly so okay. i do my yes i do my um my fitted sheet and my top sheet and then my pillowcases okay Whew. and then all the shower face and hand towels that i use for the week i just i, I get it all together and do all that stuff once week week at a time like okay. just together like d- does that meet your approval mofo
0: yeah <laughs> I was just thinking how, I don't know if it's standard practice in uh, America's household that you wash your sheets once a week, because if you don't, that is disgusting considering how often your skin flakes, how dirty you are, how you get, you know, it just, it just needs to be clean. And I, you know, you know, me, I'm a big fan of Howard Stern and he has one of his uh, employees on there named JD and JD hadn't washed his sheets for like a year
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) I said do those things stand up and walk on their own I mean (laughs) at at what point at what point does the sheet become sandpaper and you're like wow I should really change this like a year a year and people were calling in it was almost a standard like why would I have to wash it all I'm doing is sleeping in there and I think
1: oh my god
0: that is why now I'll ask, you know, since I didn't know that you were going to be saying that you're washing your linens, that this, would, that this is hopefully a standard practice, because I mean, there might be times Ooh. in which I might do it twice a week, just because yeah. I don't know. I'm, I want fresh, clean sheets, but I, yeah. I, I mean, you can't even go to a hotel. I mean, l- let's look no. at it this way a and, hotel and, might not right? even be changing their sheets.
1: And you know what? Like, and, and there's, 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 there's like two sides to the coin. One is, I I forget the exact percentage, but something like 30, 40, I don't know, percent of all our dust. It's just our skin. Exactly. We we shed skin now and we spend those, you know, six to eight hours, five to eight hours per day in bed. We shed a lot. Right. And then, and then even when, even if we don't feel like we're sweating, like we're working out, sweating, we still do lose body moisture, right? It's always coming off our bodies. And if we're in bed, it's going right to our sheets.
0: Oh my God. And your mattress. Like I have to get mine clean. I try to, I try to get it clean every year, every couple of years, Mm -hmm. and it's been a little while. So I need to clean my mattress. And I don't know how comfortable I feel about you saying moisture.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's better to just say moist.
0: (laughs) That's so true. You know, there's certain words out there that you make you feel uncomfortable, and then there's certain words that we don't use enough, like delicious. I don't know (laughs) if we use that word
1: enough. (laughs) I agree with that. You know what? There's a word. It's funny you say that because there's a word that I have tried to use online more often as a descriptor of things, and it's a very simple word. It's lovely. I think that's an underused word. Something can just be lovely, like like love just turned into just either I love you, right, and and that's it. But something can actually be lovely, so I use that. So
0: lovely. And uh you said something to me yesterday in text message when you sent me a tweet about a gentleman walking around. A park and saw an older gentleman and took him to disneyland i i think that was the i think that was one of the things and you responded back with it's so wonderful
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is such a great word it is such a great word you know because okay look here's a whole nother thing i did this list this random list of the top words that are spoken on the bachelor and bachelorette series
0: Oh boy! And a vocal right. fry. You know how they use their, uh, their voices. Oh, the
1: vocal fry. Okay. So what are the what are the words? Okay. So um, they are um, amazing <laughs> journey, uh, and, and these two sort of go together. Rose and ceremony. Um, they are my ex or your ex, and they are um, the sound of. It's just like, I couldn't really, it's not really a word, but it's a sound. And that's the guys wrestling. And then there is the, that's the women crying. And then the other one is just the exhale. Like, like you, like every show just has those words all the time. That's it
0: jesus christ i stopped watching that show i don't i think it's been on 20 something years now i yeah. i stopped watching that show probably after the fourth season so i am i am not in bachelor nation nor will i ever be because yeah, me too. those confessionals when they're sitting there and they're vocal fry where they thinking they're sounding sultry and sexy is so wrenching on my ears that i couldn't bear to do it and how do you provoke how do you How do you promote your love for somebody after one get together with 20 other people? It's just insane. And you know what it reminds me of? So, there's a show that I loved. I don't know if it's ever coming back, but it was called The Unreal. And The Unreal was a scripted show about doing a show like The Bachelor. And so, The producer and all the people that worked on the show would make things happen to cause drama within the show, which alludes to the fact I'm sure what happens on reality shows I know my brother is a cameraman for he's done reality shows since he's been in California working for a company that uh, that strictly does a lot of reality shows and most of that stuff is scripted so if you ever want to watch a show that's really well written and the actress that leads it was also on entourage she was sort of the bitchy loud super assertive a vp that was always up against um ari i think his name was but anywho yeah. the show is called unreal and it is really really good
1: wow yeah you know i've read things about how On some of the shows, I don't watch The Bachelor, let's just go back to that. I don't watch The Bachelor, Bachelor, but I see the commercials, right? And it's just those words. But I I I remember reading something about how on that show and many of the dating type shows, they're just pumping them with alcohol to get them to open up.
0: Well, and even, I won't say what show it was, but the people, and it's one of the Real Housewives, that... The ladies that were on there aren't rich or were not rich to begin with. So they had to go to rich neighborhoods to film houses to make it look like that's where the housewives lived.
1: Uh, Are you kidding?
0: I mean, I was going to try for Big Brother and I I thought, you know what? I could do well on this show. And because my brother works for reality TV show, I can never be on a reality show
1: oh uh, okay so that's why you're not gonna go okay yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i had to turn it down yeah i was like i'm
0: sorry my brother so i was pissed off at him for a couple of days because i was thinking man you ruined my opportunity to be on big brother which i think i would do fairly well and, and we had talked season- about
1: for years you I and i hear an amazing race oh
0: oh yeah amazing race right
1: we could totally pull it off yeah, right and so, sure right, you are you are banned
0: yeah i'm banned right. i can't even that's be on that so it's kind of fucked up
1: Yeah, okay, wait a minute, so speaking of reality shows, um, who ended up winning, um, it wasn't Survivor you were watching, Big Brother. Big Brother,
0: yeah. So,
1: because I know the story about the Kyle, I don't know the story about the Kyle guy, I just was seeing Twitter trends about Big Brother, and his name was always there, so, and I figure it's over because Survivor just started, usually Survivor will start after Big Brother has ended.
0: Yes. So it's good that you know the cycle. So, yes, it ended on Sunday, two hour season finale. And mm-hmm. if you didn't watch it, anybody yet, or don't know, just pause this for a moment and come back or fast forward a couple minutes. But Taylor, the first African American woman, won big brother. And you know what's also interesting about that is that she was targeted for the first four to five weeks in the house for some unknown reason. And, and, she got put in situations in which people attacked her and had no validity to it. She didn't, she was confused by it. So she won. And let's top this off. They always do America's favorite um, house guest and she won that. Really? It was so good. So she won, she won it all. And it's, she's the first African-American woman to win big brother.
1: I didn't know that. I thought, I thought there was a winner like way, like years and years ago, but I guess not. Hey, so who was, who was she up against for the final vote?
0: She was up against a fellow African-American male.
1: So they went at it. So they were the two finalists. They were the two
0: finalists, Monty. And uh, he played a really good game. He, he had a choice because he was the final head of household. So he had a choice to take Turner, which was, um, a bisexual male that did um, rug collection. So there was, so think about it, And I, the reason why I, I put that on him to say that he's bisexual was because to think about the diversity that the three remaining house guests had, just, right. there was a level of, wow, this is really great to see, um, to see this happen. And so I, yeah not label, but he was a, he, he could have taken Turner, who was with him from probably a couple weeks into it, part of the leftovers, because that was their, that was their um what do you, their alliance? So the three right. of them were left. And Turner thought for sure Monty would take him. But Monty and and um and Taylor started having some relationships developed. They developed a relationship oh. towards the end. So I think that's why he took her, took her. But also I also think that. Um, he he knew he had a chance possibly to win against her because you know how the final, the people in jury end up end up voting for who should win.
1: That is, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I remember after the, a lot of the social unrest of 2019 and 20 that the reality show people um, had their come to Jesus moment. And I know that Big Brother Survivor and The Bachelor were a few of them where, uh, big Brother had to say, we've done this wrong. We've put, you know, one Black person or one Asian person, and we put them in these clearly hostile situations. Because when you're just the only one, it is hostile. And, and Survivor said that that guy, Jeff Process, said the same thing. Said, you know, we've, we've set these things up where um, it's been unfair to our African-American contestants to have one. Or two, because you're always, you're always going to be a target. And it's going to be harder for you to build an alliance. So it changed. And then shortly after that, when he started to not completely equally, because you don't have to, because fair doesn't always mean equal. It just means fair. Right. Yeah. And, and since then there's been winners, there's been black and other people of color winners on Survivor and well now Big Brother um, and even The Bachelor you know they got rid of that, that host Chris Harrison I think it was his name because he was a he was apologizing for someone being racist and you know they just changed it up and it does it doesn't hurt anything just change it up you know just it, change it's it fine up. just he, change it up
0: well and then last year you know Xavier I think his name was Xavier he was actually from Wisconsin so I, I remember him hey. uh, he was the first black man to win Big Brother and that was the cookout so that was one oh, of the, the best cookout. yeah that was yes. Incredible. That was one of the best alliances, and they held true to each other. Even if they got into it with one another, they held true to what the cookout represented. So it was really great to watch last season and then to see Taylor, who was a pageant queen, so I think she like won Miss Congeniality or something, to yeah. end up taking being on the block four or five times and being targeted to go from – that to winning that says a lot about someone's character and it says a lot about people in the house that saw through some of the bullshit of how people were targeting her and protected her so it was really good it was a really good season and i know speaking of speaking of like drama within seasons and reality show is that i have not started watching it yet but the premiere of salt lake real housewives of salt lake city utah started last night and jen is on there
1: Jen Shah. Yes. Mm. You know what? Okay. Just a little sidebar before we talk about that. I only like Jen Shah because her name is Jen, like you.
0: Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the devil. <laughs> she's so money. So I don't know what's going on with her, but I'm excited to see how the court and her going to court is all going to be put into the show. I think
1: Right, so some background on Jen Shah. Jen Shah is, I believe she's Hawaiian, is, is, I think. Um, and she married um, a guy who is a, a football coach. In, they're in Utah, so he's one of the um, assistant coaches or something, a black guy. College, yep. And I believe he converted to Mormonism with her, I think, or she converted to Islam with him, so one way or the other. And like you were saying earlier, you know, they position these women as wealthy and Jen Shaw had bling, like Jen Shaw was, she would show off money and things. And then over a couple of seasons, it turns out she was under FBI investigation that her business was some type of um, multi-level marketing scam. And just a sidebar to that multi-level marketing is like, the most popular business in the state of Utah. Like it all originates there. You know, it's just, it's a, a whole bunch of scams. But anyway, and I think they finally indicted her for um, taking advantage of seniors or something like that, whatever it was she was selling. And though she denied it for at least one season that I know of, finally um, she got arrested. and And before it hit, before it went to court, she pled guilty. I
0: and didn't so know that she pled guilty.
1: She pled guilty. Yes, yeah, she had been denying it all season, last season, and and just, you know, like strongly denying it and getting her little crew on her side. And then in the off season, because I think she was facing like 40, 30, 40 years, she pled guilty. Like she pled guilty. <laughs> so this season picks up after that.
0: Damn. Wow. Damn, it's gonna be good. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not a huge fan of Salt Lake City. I I, yeah. I don't know. I'm sort of indifferent to it. Um, just like Dallas. So hopefully they'll never bring Dallas back. To me, that was one of the worst ones. But um I'm into it just because of this level of drama. Like how does she, how does she get on TV knowing that she pled guilty to stealing from hundreds and thousands of elderly? So it was more targeting the elderly community.
1: I, yeah, you know, I I don't know what she was selling, um, because I, I just didn't pay attention because Ellie and my partner watches that, and she watches like all the Housewives, and so I can't just have her watch sci-fi, fantasy, horror movies, and sports <laughs> with me. I have to like try to watch some of the things she watches. So she watches two things: she watches Dateline and she watches Housewives. That's it, just those two things. Wow. <laughs>
0: she's missing out on a
1: world of amazing tv she goes to sleep to line and watches you know i was like well i take that back because she watches all the marvel stuff so she does like love that stuff okay so i decided well you know to be a little bit fair i'm going to try to watch some of her stuff and so she took me through um because she's a she's an educator teacher so she took me through um all the housewives variations and i think we started with baltimore maybe and then we did um this one the jen shaw one and then i think there's one in atlanta yeah I love that. somebody named candy or something yeah. like that down in atlanta
0: uh-huh. yep and yep. Then
1: and then the one with the lady with the horrible voice, I think it might be Beverly Hills. That lady oh yeah. With that's voice. a good one
0: too. That's full of drama. Cause you got Kathy Hilton on there. You got Risa, Lisa Renna. You what guys. is
1: wrong with Lisa Renna's face?
0: I, you know what? And she, I mean, back in, so Lisa Renna was on a, um, a one life to live. No, Days of Our Lives. So she played a woman on Days of Our Lives called Billy. That's when I first saw her come up. But that woman hustles because she's on QVC with a bunch of clothing lines. And now she just did a lip, a lip line. And she's what, 58, 59 years old or something like that. But yeah, it is. She used to have the implant in her lip. Back in the day before there was fillers, she had an actual like lip implant.
1: Oh, oh, she got. So she actually put like like some material in her lip.
0: Yes. And I think she got that oh. removed and now just has filler. And she's married to she's married to Harry Hamlin.
1: I remember that from way back in the day. Yeah, does they're he ever, still together. Does he ever show, does he ever show up on that show?
0: Uh, oh yeah. Sometimes like if she has a dinner party, he's doing all the cooking.
1: <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, he doesn't act dinner- anymore. Huh?
0: She, uh, no, I don't think I've seen her on anything. And she does, uh, her daughters are now like models. They've had a lot of, they've done a lot of side-by-side pictures of the girls, you know, uh, before and after some, either some surgery or this is just this is not confirmed nor denied. It's just, you could, you could find a lot of side-by-side photos of her daughters that look and appear that they've had some work done. So, um, they are also runway models after one of the women that used to be on there. Um, God, her name will come to me, but she was, she, her daughters are the Hadid sisters. So she used to be on Beverly Hills, Um, And then now her daughters, like Bella Hadid, and then the other one. Oh, I forget what she's married to. She's married to one of the, I don't know, boy band guys. But they are, they are like top models in the world. And she was, they, they, you would see back, if you watched the old Beverly Hills, she was on there and her daughters, you know, of course were younger, but yeah, they're major. So I think Lisa Renna has these two daughters, and they got into modeling. I don't know. I think people were a little bit jealous of of the Hadid's mother, which I can't think of what her fucking uh, name is. Um, I'm I'm sure someone's like listening to this, or will be listening to this, shouting her name because y- you never watched. Um, you never watched the Real Housewives.
1: No, not before like th- this year. So I only have like. Like maybe a couple of seasons of Baltimore, maybe um, nothing in New Jersey or New York does anything like that. Oh, you know what? Well, maybe two seasons of Utah and maybe just half a season of, um, of Beverly Hills. And I think I've seen like some episodes of Dubai.
0: Oh, yeah. That, I watched that one too. I, I'm not sure if I've watched next season. And it's yeah. Yolanda Hadid. So it's Gigi uh-huh. and. You probably heard about Gigi and Bella Hadid. They're they're like yes. major supermodels, yes. and Yolanda was a model too. So she, you know, um, it, it was interesting to watch the come up of those girls. And same story for them. mainly mainly Bella, her face has completely changed. I mean, she got a nose job; it's clear, and, and did some other things. So as I always tell you, we're not we're not um, ugly. We're just poor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, you know, speaking of celebrities, did you hear that Adam Levine story today or this week?
0: Yes, I, I actually was on TikTok and uh-huh. that's Sumpner or whatever her first name is. I, I thought it was Summer, but there's a T in there. Uh, I saw her posting it and sharing, you know, DMs. And I thought to myself, first of all. What's the point of that? Like what are you hoping to accomplish by ruining his life and his wife is pregnant and yeah. you know you knew damn well what you were getting into. Everybody knows that that Adam Levine is married to the top Victoria's Secret model in the world and what is the if you know that, why would you even engage in conversation with him?
1: That yeah, that that's something. Yeah. He's denied
0: sexual intercourse or any sort of sex. He hasn't denied that he's crossed the line with flirting. So I don't know what from a male perspective, what your thoughts are on that. I to, I guess there's a level of you're sending inappropriate text messages, telling and complimenting women on their bodies is a level of cheating for sure. Yeah, when that's, it comes cheating. To, yeah that's cheating. So I just don't know if it's the next level of cheating. I think there's stages, yeah. right? There's yeah. stage one where you flirted, that's cheated. Stage two is like, you're having intercourse with women. That's, we, we're, we're probably gonna end up divorcing.
1: Yeah, yeah, because he had, by doing that, He's breaking the trust, right? Yes. He's breaking the trust. And, and and just the fact that this is how you know, even if even if someone else doesn't think it's wrong, this is how you know he knew he was wrong because once she exposed his DMs, he apologized.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. He did.
1: He knew he was wrong. And look, okay, outside of the right or wrong, the moral, the um cheating. Outside of all that, how dumb are you as, you know, a famous singer guy that you are using your own Instagram account and sending a, a DM to someone as if that will never get out?
0: Yeah. I mean, why would you do that?
1: Right. What a dummy. Like, yeah, just what a dummy.
0: What a dummy. What a, d- you're using, and you're talking to four different women. I mean, there's, I mean, he definitely has. He definitely has a type. I mean, when you put them all four together. Um, yes.
1: And, and you know what? I, I think because I, I heard I was listening to another podcast. That's where I got that statement from. Like, why would he do that? You know under his own account, if you're going to cheat. Like use some um, use some sense, like really cheat. But the, the other part was, or the other part is to me, um, he asked her if it was okay to name his new baby that his wife is pregnant with after this lady he was trying to cheat with
0: yes that was weird
1: that is that is next level dirt
0: that's next level dirt so i i don't know i guess she's standing with him and you know they're moving forward but you know we've had that song and dance before where someone's standing next to you and doing what yeah. needs to be done and all of a sudden they're divorced you know a year or two later
1: yeah you know because i don't know how many kids uh he and his wife has now but it makes me wonder: Did he name? Did he suggest the names for the other kids? And who are the women? <laughs>
0: oh my god! Who are the- <laughs> no, don't say that.
1: <laughs> He's gonna grow up, daddy. Who did they be after? Well, you know what? I was on tour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, but you just you hope. You know when you you see relationships and you see. Uh things. And you always hope, like, I hope that they have, it's kind of like Ryan Reynolds and his wife. Um,
1: oh yeah. Um, Blake,
0: Blake Lively. You know, you yeah. see that amazing relationship. I think they're on their third kid, maybe their fourth. I don't know. And you oh. just love that for them. Both of them being in the public eye, both of them being super attractive, both of them being funny and, and coy with one another on, on social media. And you think to yourself, I really want that to last because that just looks amazing. And you think about that with Adam Levine. Now, Adam Levine has been on Howard Stern and his interviews have been really good, really raw, really genuine, and so appreciative of how he is able to do what he is able to do. And you think, and talking about his wife and you just think, wow, this is, you hope that this is, that he's in a solid, strong relationship just because of all the outside Um, influences that you have when you're in the public eye and and lo and behold here
1: he goes you know it's funny because because you're right because um, because in popular culture we are you know we follow not just you and i but it's it's popular culture because it's popular so whether it's um sport athletes or entertainers you know singers movie stars and stuff we follow their stuff because they have publicity machines and public relations people that pump that stuff out so whether it's you know social it's on social media and the news and so forth so then we do get to learn that ryan Reynolds is married to blake lively and now it's three three kids later and though none of us know those people right we just think well I've i've learned through pop culture you know raining this stuff on me that they are together they seem to have a great relationship so then when you hear something like adam levine is now cheating on, or maybe you know being inappropriate Allegedly. with instagram models like this kind of deal it does it makes you pause and go my god why was he doing that yeah. and it doesn't make it the biggest most important issue in the world that's okay but we have entertainers because you know we like entertainment and when that stuff comes out it does hit the it does hit the mainstream because we follow these people, you know, he was at the Super Bowl, and, you know, Ryan Reynolds is, you know, Deadpool and you just follow this stuff. So it doesn't make a person, I guess I'm just saying it doesn't make a person, you know, um, a lightweight or intellectually inferior just because they have some, some awareness of, you know, Adam Levine or big brother, like that's okay. It's not a big deal.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, (laughs) When you think about, okay, you think about the cheating, you think about how you know, even Johnny Depp and, and, and what's her face. We don't of a name. We don't say because, you know, Leah can't stand her, but if um, y- you think about how all this stuff comes to trial and specifically you and I've had some discussion recently about Jeffrey Dahmer and the Dahmer uh, show on Netflix, a scripted show about Jeffrey Dahmer and Evan Peters by far. I love Evan Peters. He is insanely talented when it comes to acting. He's on every fucking season of American Horror Stories, and he plays a different character every year, and he is fucking so good, and okay. I, you know that, and, and some people that listen to our podcast know that I grew up in in Wisconsin, so Brown Deer, Milwaukee, I always say Milwaukee because everybody's familiar with Milwaukee, and I lived in Milwaukee when Jeffrey Dahmer was finally arrested, and so the, the perspective and understanding, even the psychotics that wanted to buy stuff from his apartment after he was arrested, you know, to have some like nostalgia. And I'm doing air quotes. I I have a hard time watching the show because if you go and sit on any of the blogs, specifically white women, um, talking about because this show is showing how Jeffrey Dahmer got caught, what what he did, what he did, and giving a background on Jeffrey Dahmer's family situation. So Mm -hmm. Through all of this, people, specifically, I'm talking white women only, are almost apologizing on some level or allowing his mental psychotic behavior to have a reason and to say oh it's justified based because his mom took drugs that are no longer sold that his mom you know had all her mental issues and it was inevitable that he was going to have these issues as a child there is nothing that today that we that could justify the brutal attack of brown and black men gay men To justify the fact that he targeted a specific group, and you and I can get into that a little bit more, targeted a specific group and ate them. There is no justification for that. So if you're one of those motherfuckers out there that says, oh, well, there has to be some level of sympathy because it was inevitable that he was going to end up this way. No, bitch. I know people that have been tortured and beaten as children and sexually assaulted as children that today don't eat people and kill people for fun. Like that is that justification. And is it, it's enraging me. And not only that, if you watch the show, it is clear it is a clear white man who got away with fucking bullshit he was drunk driving with pieces of body parts in black bags in a car and the officer never took him out of the car never did a, a so a sobriety test and let him go on his merry fucking way after he was swerving after drinking that's one indication yeah. a, amongst many of how the milwaukee police force back in the 90s fucked up
1: yeah. Well, you know, the one, and that's, that's all very well stated. And the 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 one that really, all of them are bad. Like he ate people. I mean, look, that's, I don't know what gets worse than that. You know, he ate people and he didn't just eat black men. He ate black boys.
0: Yes. Oh,
1: so the one, so the one 14 year old black boy that escaped and went to the cops, the cops took him back to Jeffrey Dahmer and Jeffrey Dahmer said, That's my boyfriend, and the cops gave the kid back to Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer ate him.
0: Ate him, a fourteen-year-old, and the woman, the black woman, who called the cops and said, "Are you sure? Because he looks like a child." No, he told us that Jeffrey told us that he's that he's nineteen, and we saw pictures of them together. And that woman, that same person that lived next door to jeffrey called the police later they have actual call tape of her calling and saying hey i just want to check in on that and because the police officers were so fucking scared of gay men and gay action that they literally were they they said yeah we know he no he's not a child and she's like are you sure he looked like he was mighty no no he was 19 and they never ever checked anything and they let that kid go back to fucking Jeffrey Dahmer
1: yeah Jeffrey Dahmer specifically moved and lived amongst black people because he knew he could get away with it like that's documented like he knew that cost to the police the police wouldn't investigate him, like it just would that's what would happen and and I look everything you said is right like the fetishization fetishization of um, white male serial killers is really disgusting. You know, because I've seen some of those message groups where they talk about how handsome he was or how alluring he was. And, A, he was ugly. Let's just, let's put it yes. into an that. And he ate people. And um, and they, uh, like Netflix, and that the director, Ryan Murphy is, is his name. And he has a lot of racial issues from a directing in his background, but yet they chose him for this story. And he tells it through, like you said, Jeffrey Dahmer, his history, his family, and it totally erases the victims. So Jeffrey Ryan Murphy says, you know, we were very sensitive to the victims' families, and we wanted to get their, uh, make sure their points of views were seen and heard. And they have a scene where one of the um siblings, uh, you know, they recreate her in court when she's going off on Jeffrey Dahmer at his sentencing um but two things to that uh, a black lady who worked on the staff of on the production she said she had to quit because it was so hostile to black people on the production it was that bad and then multiple family members families of the victim multiple victims family members have since spoken up saying they knew nothing about this no one told them this was going to be on you know, Netflix, no one reached out to them. And they said the trauma that they still go through, right? And every time these major media companies make these Jeffrey Dahmer documentaries, these specials, these recreations, they're being re-traumatized. And, and they they say, and I believe this, they say, you know, it is ne- it is never considered you know, about our our trauma. These are our family members. They're talking about getting eaten and you're just saying this or you're showing this all the time and that he preyed upon Black people and you're never telling these stories from the victim's point of views. It's always, let's worship at the feet of Jeffrey Dahmer. And it just, it it absolutely makes no sense. But you know what, Jen? There's another special on Netflix uh, about Marilyn Monroe.
0: Blonde, right? It's called called Blonde?
1: Blonde. Yes, and so... I'm not really a Marilyn Monroe, you know. Fan is not the right word. I know her story, but I don't really follow very closely. But this one is very problematic because this lady wrote a book. It's basically fan fiction. She wrote a book. um, It's basically all many events in Marilyn Monroe's life as seen through Marilyn Monroe's eyes, as imagined by this writer. Oh, and so they, yeah, so they made this this netflix movie story on it but it's all made up like a lot of the events are true she suffered sexual abuse she had problems with drugs but she was also an extremely intelligent person and she had more life outside of just being a uh, at that shell. time they called them bombshells right yeah. or you know and but this lady joyce carol Oates, a famous lady author um and they question her about that. Like, why would you write that? Because people think this is autobiographical. And it's not. It's just... And fan fiction is you take someone's story and you just make some other stories about it. Like, you just... You use that character wow. in other stories. That's what fan fiction is. And that's basically what she's done. And so they're telling this, this Marilyn Monroe story as if Marilyn Monroe wrote an autobiography of herself. And she did not. And so I have issues with that because she's another person who who she was used and manipulated and suffered a lot of, um, injustices and abuse. And she's been dead so long and it still goes on
0: for no reason,
1: but no reasons. Like sometimes you guys just let's just let someone be dead. Like she's dead. Just let her go. But I guess it sells tickets as they say.
0: Damn, I saw that. Yeah, I don't know who the actress is. I think I heard somebody say that the actress is really stunning. So I haven't even looked it up. I just saw something come across my feed about blonde. And, you know, I don't, I, and even Evan Peters made a comment to say, this guy, Jeff Dahmer, was so fucked up that you should not at all feel bad for this guy. Like, he literally playing that role thought, this guy is beyond, and, you know, we, he got the shit beat out of him when he went in prison. So, I mean, yes. all that all that, all that ends well. How does that saying go? All- yeah,
1: all's well that ends well. He got, yeah. yeah, he was murdered in prison. And really, I mean, the Jeffrey Dahmer's story is, he was a cannibal. He ate people. He ate young black boys. He finally went to prison and he got killed in the story.
0: Yeah, that's it. No, you don't need to bring it up anymore. You don't need to, you know, bring it up for his families. And, and really, if you want to bring it up, you should bring up how it all just went wrong and how it could have been prevented. That's what right. you should be focused on. Like, here's all the things that the Milwaukee Police Department fucked up on. That's what should be said.
1: Right, right, right. You're right. You can focus on that. All the, all the things that they missed. Right, just, just terrible. Yeah, just terrible. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch that. I think the the actors you're talking about for Blonde is Ana de Armas. Is her name?
0: Okay, I'll have to look her and up. She's attractive. Yeah,
1: she's gorgeous. Okay. Like that's a fact. She is. Um, I think she's Cuban Spanish. Is what is what I think. Um, I think she was born in Cuba, and maybe one of her parents is from Spain. And what's significant about that is a lot of people don't notice about Marilyn Monroe, but. I'm not certain if she was born in Mexico, but she was raised in Mexico. And yeah. So Marilyn Monroe, um, it doesn't mean that she is Mexican by, by genetics, but she's Mexican by culture. That's interesting. Huh? <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: I'm going to have to check her out. I didn't yeah.
1: even know that. Yeah. And so that's why they got um, uh, a Latino woman to play her because that is who she identified with as well. And that's, you know, and that is, you can focus on Marilyn Monroe's, Marilyn Monroe was a civil rights um, activist. And so in, in many ways, like Marilyn Monroe stood up for Ella Fitzgerald when the clubs wouldn't let Ella Fitzgerald into the clubs and, or wouldn't let her come to the front door and wouldn't let her go to these award ceremonies. Marilyn Monroe was like, well, she can't go, I'm not going. And she would stand up for her. So she, she was, she was bigger than just um, a, voluptri- a voluptuous blonde like she there was more to her so that isn't often explored because Hollywood is always fixated on her looks which is odd because by today's Hollywood standards she's fat
0: yeah exactly
1: right they would be telling her to get you know all the, you know get in shape and stop eating you know all that kind of stuff when she was she was you know very healthy like she looked good and people admit it like it, it's so odd but uh
0: well, Would and you I know want, that. You, so that actress was in a show on Hulu, a movie, "Deep Water" with Ben Affleck. I think it was.
1: That's such a good movie.
0: I didn't see it, but she's oh. really she is. You know nice. what? She's stunning. It's
1: so good. I might watch it again. It's that. It's so good. And she's stunning, huh?
0: She's stunning. That's annoying. Right.
1: That lady is. That she's re- she's really good looking because I. I, when I saw her, in, I saw her in the movie with Ben Affleck in Deepwater, which was really, really good. And then I thought, I think I've seen this lady before. And I started looking through her um, uh, her movie deal, and I have seen her. And she's in all these movies, and she's always good looking.
0: Damn, so annoying. And you, okay, so are you, you I think we talked about it last week, about The Patient. Have you been watching The Patient with Steve Carell?
1: So I have, and I'm, I'm. I watched through episode five.
0: Okay. I think that's the last, le- I think that's the late. No, maybe I feel like maybe cause there's going to be 10 total. I think so. Dude,
1: it's so good.
0: It's so good. And he is just, I mean, he's doing, well, first of all, both actors. So Stephen Carell, and I don't even know the other guy's name, but that other guy is playing such a psycho. It's you. I know you and I watch killing Eve, right? Did you watch killing Eve with Sandra Oh?
1: Yes, I love. Okay. Sandra.
0: so the psychotic, the one that always won the Emmy, she played the the assassin. I, I she her. was so good that I thought she could be an assassin in real life. That's how good she was. That's how I feel about this guy on the patient. That I think maybe he's this psychotic because he's playing it so good. I gotta I gotta figure out his name to give him credit.
1: Wow, he um he is really good, and that show it's is so funny because. It's very low key, but then it has these and it has a couple little twists just through episode five, but then it has like a certain intensity because you really don't know what's going to happen.
0: You don't, I'm like, and how is he going to get happen? out of this,
1: right? And so, and so, just for the listeners without any spoilers, Steve Carell plays a um, therapist, and he, one of his patients, um, that he's he's in one of his patients is a regular visitor. And at one point the patient decides that he's not getting the help that he wants from Steve Carell. And so he takes drastic action. So then the show goes on from there and it's not, it's not an action movie or anything like that. It's just a setting. And it's just, it's, it's really entertaining. It's really entertaining because you're trying to, you know, you see it through, they switch perspectives because you see it through, Steve Carrillo's eyes as the therapist and he has his own issues he's dealing with and then you see it through the patient's eyes and you're like well this is crazy but then you're just like well he is getting help <laughs>
0: uh, and the episodes are anywhere from 22 minutes to 30 minutes at the most
1: all right they I mean it goes by so quickly and it's just like bonkers what's what's <laughs> happening but I did I like I think after our show last week, I thought, let me, let me go see this show. And, but then once I saw, I saw that it was, like you said, only 22 to 30 minutes, I thought oh, I, I could just binge this. And I did, but I binged it because it was that entertaining. Like it was fun. It was fun to go through.
0: Yeah. It's so good. So. And I don't I think, know where
1: this is. I don't know where it's going. Like I don't where know where it's going.
0: Rap- I, rap- I keep thinking, how the fuck is he going to get out of this? So it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. It's very, you know, same with Handmaid's Tale. So I, I, I don't know if you're all caught up. I'm in the middle, I think, of episode four or something. I think it's four, maybe. I, it's probably I'm not four. caught up,
1: yeah. yeah. Got- um,
0: Jodie Jody
1: Comer, is- that's what you're talking about. I love Jodie oh, Comer. She's the, yeah, the psycho, her. I love her.
0: She played it so good, I love her. And sh- so this, you know, this Handmaid's Tale has taken a turn too. And now I'm thinking, how the fuck is this gonna turn out? Because, you know, the uh, June is still just, in you know she saw her daughter on the big screen because what's her face the the commander's wife was um uh, being public like they put the funeral his funeral all over the nation all over the world and so they didn't want her in gilead anymore so she has to stay in canada where june is at and she's going to be setting up like a post for gilead to report on like to build relationships with other countries that are not America or AKA Gilead, yeah. and so it's going to be so interesting because her and June are in the same city.
1: Wow, that's yeah. going to be so good. Hey, so I want to clarify that that Marilyn Monroe thing. Marilyn Monroe was born in Mexico.
0: She was born in Mexico.
1: Yeah, so wow, I parent, didn't know that. Yeah, her parents were white, but they lived in Mexico, and she was born in Mexico and raised there for a great part of her life, and she identified as a as a Latina. Like, that's who she was. But the movie studios, one of the reasons they dyed her hair blonde was you keep all that on the low key. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yes. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So I guess she wasn't um, uh, by genes Mexican, but she's born in Mexico. And she was born into the culture, and so she, by all intents and purposes, she would, she would, she had, she self-identified as Latina. So I'll just I'll say what she used to say, and then the studios were like not having that. And I think you know, just a whole little sidebar: there are a lot of famous actors um, pre, say, nineteen seventy, who have, uh, who were um, Latina or Latino, and because Latino can be any color right? They, they span the color spectrum. Many of them just hit there, um, for the sake of Hollywood and to, um, assimilate and get jobs. They just hit that part. They just said that the, that they were white and Marilyn Rose hers is a little different, but she was one of them as well. And she didn't hide it. Like the studios forced it down, but she would embrace it when asked about it. And she would talk about different things.
0: Crazy. I, I don't think Isn't I, ever. yeah, I don't think I ever would have. Uh, I don't I don't think I ever knew that, you know, because, you know, you think about just movies back then. And, you know, to your point that she she was considered now she'd be considered overweight, even though Kim Kardashian couldn't get into her dress. So it's so crazy. So you think about. Yeah, I, I was thinking about old school movies and something that came up on my I think it was one of my feeds. Someone just posted something and it was a response to something, but it was One of the best scenes in probably movie history was "No Wire Hangers" with uh, Mommy Dearest. Do you remember that movie? Have you ever watched that movie?
1: No, I have watched the movie, but it's been a long time. But I do remember something about the wire hangers, but I don't know if I know the whole deal.
0: Wow! So she—I mean, she was just Faye Dunaway did this adopted this girl. I think she adopted her, if I remember correctly. But she she was adopted and just tortured this kid this daughter that she had and and she woke her up in the middle of the night and she was mad because there were wire hangers in her closet then she started hitting her with them it just that and when you the only reason why i'm bringing that up is because you mentioned old hollywood and you know prior to the 70s and 80s it made me think of that movie because it was one of the one of the most haunting movies that I've seen and there's no relation to you talking about um, uh, Marilyn Monroe, but I was, it it came up on my feed this week. So it kind of comes full circle to you talking about, you know, movies back in the seventies, eighties. I don't know if Faye, I don't know if Faye Dunaway was um, Latino or Latina.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. Like if you ever do it, just do a Google search famous. um, hispanic actors or something like that and man the list you it, like you're just you are just gonna be surprised you just wow. it's just people you just go wow really like you had no idea not that and it doesn't matter but it does matter because it changes how we see things so you go wait a minute this person is this and then you'll find out that yeah they are and they live their lives and it's no big deal but you go but the studios just push it down and it, again it's not as common today as it was during those days when you know you had a single studio contract and if and if they didn't want you to act you wouldn't act um uh, but it wasn't uncommon you you know i think the one that that i recall the most just from probably the 80s or something was martin sheen because martin sheen is i think he's spanish or something because his his sons took their actual family, Emilio Estevez. Like, he took his family name. He was like, I'm not I'm not going to take the Sheen name. I'm going to take my real name. And Martin Sheen later on in life said something. Like he regretted that. But, you know, he got his acting career and everything. Because sometimes it was... Nece- like, I don't want to judge those people. Because there was some necessity to doing that in order to stay employed in their chosen profession, acting. Like, I get that. Like, you know, a lot of actors change their names, right, to le- make them sound less um ethnic and that ethnicity could have been you know some long german name during the 40s when germany was like going crazy you know so that it was pretty common and then the hispanic latino people could actually change their racial designation because they could blend in and it was it was pretty common
0: wow so she wow okay that yeah. that's interesting you know i like martin she he was he's really good in um franken and, franken and, uh Frankie and Grace on Netflix, oh my God, so funny. So I didn't realize, Estevez, yeah, I guess now that you say that and knowing yeah. that that's his son, that's so crazy. How, yeah. I, yeah, I guess it gets what you, it's sort of similar to when you talk about and you and I've talked about on job applications and having your name sound a certain way so that it's not disregarded because it sounds um, ethnic.
1: Yes, right, and, and and it's been proven over and over for decades. You know, just uh, if you just put you have a bland name that can be generally understood to be white American, your application, your resume has a greater chance of being seen than if your name is generally understood to be African-American. Like, it's just it, it just is a fact. Like, it, it can't even be disputed anymore. And, you know, it's a society we live in. So people change their names. They get stage names that's where that whole term comes from you get a stage name make yourself um more attractive to a broader spectrum of people it's it's not even it's,
0: it's crazy because it also deems well when we talk about um interest rates and getting interest rates and home mortgage loans that they've proven to say i've used this name on an application then i had my neighbor do the same application and we both got different interest rates with the same credit score, all of that, and it was based solely on the fact that their name.
1: Yeah, and and there's a there's a big reckoning happening right now with home appraisers because home appraisers, you know, they walk into a house, they appraise it, and it's it has now been well. Look, we've always known, but the general public is getting awareness that when an appraiser appraises a home and they know that that home is owned by Black people, they appraise it significantly lower than if that home is owned by white people. The same home, same neighborhood, same features, same everything. And it's significant. It's, 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 it could be a hundred thousand dollars more. And so, and so, and there's been studies done on this and it's, it's been in the news over the last couple of years. And the most prominent one was, it was a whole investigation. It was a black lady. And I think she was in Philadelphia. I want to say, she was a, you know, highly accomplished probably like, you know, I think she was either a professor or whatever, something like that. And her home got appraised and She was like, I think my home is worth more than that. So she got her best, her partner, because her partner was a white lady. She said, well, let's just take me out of the equation. Take all the pictures down that show there's black people here. Just with you, and the appraisers came back and it was was worth $100,000 more.
0: That's so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, we know yeah. that we know that we have a history of just racism running rampant through our country, but when it's so blatant that you just yes. go, "How the fuck? How do you how do you acknowledge? How do you how do you justify that?"
1: Yeah, and then you know, I, and and, th- and th- this is where the the historians, the sociologists, the the people who then say, "Now imagine that one lady." Now you imagine that over. 50 years by millions of black American homeowners. See? And so then you go, why then you go, you start looking at the transference of generational wealth, meaning you inherit something from a relative and then some relative inherits something for you. Now you imagine, okay, I'm 58. So imagine 58 years a black homeowners' homes being significantly undervalued um, across millions of people for 58 years. Where does all that revenue go? Well, we don't know all that money, all that wealth, but where we, we know where it doesn't go, it doesn't go to the next generation of Black people. That's so that's what's called the the loss of generational wealth, because then the next generation. Is starting off significantly less uh, with with significantly less finances than the than they should, so they're having to make up that ground, and then the next one has to, and it just continues. And you now you're looking at, you know, we we have millions of American homeowners, who are black people, like millions, and just look at 58 years of the home the homes being undervalued, right, and then the, like you just said, the interest rates are higher. So you're paying more. So you're losing on both ends. And then you multiply that by just tens of millions of peoples and homes. And it is significant. Um, look, you can could, you could get into a whole discussion just around losing generational wealth and the impact that it has on people right now. And then it'll have impacts on people in the next generation. So if that lady had taken that offer, it sold her house for, it was like $130,000 less, but that's $130,000 that she doesn't get. And she can't, if she and her partner had kids, you know, they they don't get that. And then maybe she can make it up, but more, but we know that you don't because we have the statistics that show that, you know, that the average white household's net worth is this number and the average black also, net, net worth is this number, and it's significantly lower. So we know that. So um, that is why, for example, when President Biden was um, doing the student loan relief plan, and it's still happening right now, that is why uh, 80% of the student loan relief was going to people that, made, that didn't make a lot of money, because it's not the same. If you are wealthy and you go to the gas station and pay $5 a gallon for gas, that's one thing. But if you are already poor and you're paying $5 for gas, that $5 for gas is significantly harder on you than it is on that on that wealthy person. It doesn't mean that the wealthy person doesn't like $5 a, a gallon for gas, but that $5 is not hurting them. Whereas that $5 is hurting that poor person every single day. So it's what I said earlier in the call. Fair doesn't always mean equal. Fair just means fair by itself. That it, it was fair to do student relief for people who are more harmed by student debt, right? Yeah. You start there. You you help people who need the most help. So anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But yes. <laughs>
0: Damn. I mean, mm. I, we're already we're pretty close to an hour right now. I mean, we yeah. <laughs> covered a lot today, so we're supposed to go shallow. That I mean, that's a lot to absorb and. If you listen to this podcast and you have any feedback or want to share insights, we're always welcome to it. You know, you can find me at Jen Manland and Veg on Instagram. Some of you have my my mobile number that you can reach out to and and, and share insights. And um, Big Button, a Smile on TikTok, along with the Redheaded Vegan on Twitter. I don't have any books like my partner here does. So Myron, Mm -hmm. where can they find you?
1: Find me on Twitter, Myron J. Clifton. My Amazon page has all... Nine, ten of my books, or everything. My hot one right now is um, Jamal's incredible adventure in the black church. It's about a coming age story, a seventeen-year-old boy who uh, lives with his aunt and uncle, and his uncle is also his pastor. And you see his life in in and out of this black church through a seventeen-year-old's eyes. So it's very, uh, it's, it's a very wonderful, uh, uplifting, uh, sometimes um, um, uh, fun, but sometimes also emotional story. But I, I think you enjoy it find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's all variations of Myron Clifton or Dear Dean. Um, listen to thank you for listening to our show, share it, review it, uh, give us some feedback, give us some topics you want us to talk about. We try we stay shallow but every now and then we go a little deep on something. So and we're here once uh, once a week, and, you know, what show is this? is this number 26, 27? Where
0: are we? Um I feel like maybe it's
1: 24. Okay, we are getting up there.
0: Yeah, 24, because I think at 25, we're going to do 25 things that we hate.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait.
0: <laughs> so ask your partner slash girlfriend uh, what episode we're on so that we can prepare for our top 25 things we hate, because oh. I got a good response from that. And you know what? I have a lot more.
1: Okay. So, so will it be my top 25 and then your top 25, like two separate lists? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yep. Okay, perfect, I get it. Look, okay. I got 25 things I hate on the top of my tongue every day.
0: Right now, I <laughs> could go through that list at this very moment as someone's pulling up their garbage pail. That drives me fucking. I hate when people pull up their garbage pail. It drives me.
1: <laughs> God. Uh, okay, i see you. Save time next week.
0: Okay, I love it. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>